With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Big Fight Weekend Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you in part by BetQL. Your bracket may bust, but your bankroll never has to with BetQL. Use the promo code MARCH30 for 30% off the entire year of BetQL. That's BetQL, promo code MARCH30. And we're brought to you by Odds Crowd. Are you the best college hoop better in the country? Odds Crowd is challenging you to prove it with their free March Madness Fantasy Betting Contest with over $8,000 in cash prizes. Download their app today, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge. Better Edge is a stock exchange for sports bets, allowing you to buy and sell betting positions like the stock market. The best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG. That's right, no VIG, and it's legal in 40 states. Sign up at BetterEdge.com, promo code SGP, for a free $10 bet. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, Edge.com, promo code SGP. And we're also brought to you in part by PicksWise. Follow the PicksWise Capper Contest at PickWise.com for free picks and analysis throughout the tournament from the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadeau, and more. See which expert is trending hot as they battle it out for a winner-take-all $10,000 prize. It's over at PicksWise.com. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Indeed, we are coming towards the end of the month of March, and we are ready for a heavyweight rematch contender battle between former world champ Alexander Povetkin and one-time top contender and world title challenger, the Brit Dillian White. Can White avenge a one-punch destruction knockout for him last August? That's the big main event fight that we'll be talking about on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. I am merely the somewhat capable host. I'm going to have the help of some special guests straight ahead. Momentarily, David Payne from over in Suffolk, England. Love the boxing writer. His website, boxingwriter.co.uk. Great perspective on all things boxing, but specifically what goes on in the UK and in England. David and I will be talking extensively about Povetkin White 2, the rematch, and whether or not Dillian White's career, I believe it is, is basically on the line here. Uh, the 40, almost 42-year-old Povetkin starched him with a big-time uppercut last August. If White can't turn it around and get a victory here, 
then it's probably the end of his chances on the big stage to get a heavyweight title shot against Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, or anybody else at this point in time. So David Payne coming up in a bit. Marquise John, senior writer for the website, will be with me. And we also have a special guest, Manuk Akopian, will be here from the LA Times and also BoxingScene.com. Manuk has some interesting insight into the whole situation with Tyson Holyfield. Is it happening or not? Is the Triller app televising it or not? Somebody's got to straighten this out. Manuk will try to as our guest on the Big Fight Weekend podcast coming up in a bit. Before we get to David Payne, reminder, however you found this show, social media link, et cetera, off the sportsgamblingpodcast.com website, whatever the case, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe to us on Big Fight Weekend and the podcast. It comes automatically to you, mainly in the preview mode. Again, if the fight is big enough, significant enough, we'll do a recap podcast as well. That has happened on occasions, plural. Won't be really happening after this weekend with Pavetkin White, but certainly for some of the bigger fights, we'll come back in after it's over. You get a new episode every Friday. You get it automatically if you subscribe here to the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We encourage you to do so. So the big action is on the Isle of Gibraltar. They had to move it out of England, out of London, and have it now at The Rock. The Rumble on The Rock is coming. We're ready to preview that and a lot more with David Payne. Later in the podcast, Marquise Johns, the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, and our special guest, Manuk Okopian, with us, too. Plenty to get to. Let's get rolling. As we do continue, I always love to get insight and perspective, including from this man. I've kind of somewhat nicknamed him our UK bureau chief. Whenever there is a large enough fight over in the UK, England, etc., David Payne, the boxing writer from boxingwriter.co.uk, comes aboard, and I love it. I love whenever we get to mix it up on all things, including the rematch, Alexander Povetkin, Dillian White, coming on Saturday night from the Isle of Gibraltar. Why not? It's 2021. Why not? Uh, David Payne, good to have you, and it's good to finally get this rematch in the ring from a Pavetkin shocking knockout last August. Now here is the rematch. How are you, sir? I'm very good, TJ. It's good to be with you. I'm not sure about the Bureau uh, title. It <laughs> sound like I'm in charge of red tape or something, but uh, no, it's good to be back on the show. Gibraltar, one of our enclaves out on the off the Spanish coast. Um, yeah, what, why not? It's a crazy world we're in these days. Boxing's turning up everywhere, isn't it? But uh, heavyweights always draw our attention, TJ. We always uh, enjoy talking about heavyweights, so here we are again. All right, so I ask you these questions kind of similarly whenever we are on. Clearly, Dillian White is a very popular fighter and popular figure in England. We are at the time that we're taping a couple of days out. Now, the fight not in England, the previous bout with no fans was in Eddie Hearn's backyard, essentially, in the headquarters of Matchroom Boxing. This one is now distant, as you mentioned, on The Rock, the Rumble at The Rock. But is is the English sports fan, is the British sports fan starting to gravitate towards this a little bit? Give us the uh, the temperature there on, on what it's like. Um, well, my typical response to this, this question when you pose it, TJ, is that we're not at Anthony Joshua levels here, clearly. Um, however, Dillian White is a very well-known name uh, to sports fans. Um, so he's, he's certainly known beyond the boxing world. He's not quite the crossover of an Anthony Joshua, for example. 
Um, but he's uh, he's definitely a known entity. He draws decent crowds when he's fighting in the UK. When crowds are allowed, he's filled the O2 Arena, which is uh, twenty odd thousand a couple of times. So he's definitely a known figure. So there there is some buzz around this. That people are looking forward to the bout. Obviously, heavyweights tend to bring knockouts. The first fight certainly brought that. Let's not forget that Povetkin was down twice too. So it was a an up and downer, as they say. Um, so we can hope for some action. We can hope some fun, some thrills, um, and that always stirs a little bit of interest. And there's one or two things happening on the undercard to help move that story along. And Matchroom are very good at this stuff these days. They're a powerful engine, machinery behind someone like Dillian White, a fighter they've pushed really hard for. Um, so here we are with with another event. And I would say that by Saturday night, there will be plenty of eyes on it uh, across the UK and perhaps a little further afield too. Well, as we mentioned uh, in, in the build-up to this, it was a surprise ending. You just referenced it there just because White had already put Povetkin down a couple of times. The Russian is nearing 42 years of age. Uh, so there is some real intrigue here for all of that uh, being said. The revenge angle, how much do you buy into that right now as a motivator for Dillian White? Is it, uh, is it as big as, as what it's going to be built up to be by the time we get to Saturday night here for Dillian White? I don't think there's any personal kind of angle to the revenge factor. Um, there'd be a little bit more spite if this was an Anthony Joshua Dillian White revenge mission, so to speak, both being Londoners or, or native to England. But this is a slightly different beast. Um, but that being said, Dillian White... I think deserves a little bit of credit for going straight back for Povetkin. He wouldn't want Povetkin to get away from him and move on to somebody else and perhaps lose to somebody else, which is entirely possible at the age that he's at now. Um, and in the absence of a title shot for Dillian White, uh, one he'll tell you he's patiently waited for. He has been offered. He often tends to forget um, and chose not to take it, saying the money wasn't good enough. But he's been patiently waiting for a title shot would be his story. And in the absence of one of those, because all the belts are tied up in this never-ending story between Joshua and Fury, then he needs to fight a uh, legitimate guy, which is what he's been doing for the last two or three years. He's had a decent run of opponents, probably as strong as anybody's really, in terms of consistent value of the opponents he's faced. Um, so he's got to clean this up. If he's going to progress and be the top three or four guy, the next in line, if you like, then he's got to clean this up if it was just a fluke that he hopes it is. Um, I think it's close to 50-50 and probably would be 50-50 for another year or two. But it's good that it's happening straight away. For all their history, their various suspensions, for all of Povetkin's age, they do represent two guys in the top 10 and they're willing to have another go at it for our entertainment. And I think that's good. I love this man's insight. The Boxing Writer is with me. He's at The Boxing Writer on social media. Finding him at boxingwriter.co.uk. David Payne is here. Uh, you know that it, this will not be the first time. This is not original uh, from me to you. I have overrated is the phrase in the United States. I have felt that Dillian White was overrated really for the last two or three years. The whole WBC number one contender thing was a nebulous, was a nebulous thing. Uh, is it fair to say this is the last stand here that if Pavetkin beats him again, uh, just go just go beyond what we just discussed. If Pavetkin beats him again, I don't know that he has any credibility on the biggest stage anymore. So really, I don't think it's an overstatement to say for Dillian White, career on the line Saturday night on the Rock of Gibraltar. Got to win for sure, preferably win impressively, 
but a loss. He doesn't have a significant win in my mind in three years, Dillian White. So another loss to Povetkin, I, I don't see him getting back on the big stage. That's me. You're closer to it. Go ahead. Um, I see your argument. I would certainly think that it's a long way back to a title shot for Dillian if he was to lose this. There's not, there wouldn't be a trilogy fight, of course, having lost two. So he's got to regroup. He's got to step back down a level. We also perhaps caveat that, TJ, we've been around long enough to know that a guy that loses two fights on the bounce doesn't necessarily get kicked to the curb. I seem to remember Andrew Galotta having three title shots on the bounce and not win any of them. So it doesn't mean the end of the road. It's a peculiar business we operate in. It's not as, um, uh, what's the word? It's not as well organised, for want of a better phrase, as other sports are. The, the crazy the crazy can sometimes be the um, the logical in this sport. Uh, so who knows? But that said, obviously his career is in a much more positive position if he wins this fight. Um, you're right what you said about it being a bit erroneous, suggesting that he was some kind of uh, ignored number one contender. Um, it was a bit erroneous while ever we had Joshua and uh, Wilder, but essentially he's the top two. Uh, and he was offered a shot at Joshua for good money and decided he wasn't being paid enough. Um, so he had an opportunity for that rematch and it would have been very lucrative and pro- perhaps very competitive because Joshua wasn't quite perhaps what we thought he was. Um, so it is all on the line to a certain extent, but with heavyweights and Dillian's 32 who knows what might loop around the corner in the end of 2021 or 2022, even in defeat. But um, naturally, he'll be aiming for the win. He needs it to lose to a 40-year-old a couple of times. Doesn't Isn't a good look for someone chasing the best of the best at the top of the division. All right. Very interesting part of this, and it has just become interwoven in all of society, all over the world, not just sports, is Povetkin actually had COVID-19 and was hospitalized and had to go back in the hospital after being released, apparently, maybe a few days after being released. So that is a great question mark. And again, nearing 42 years of age, we've seen other fighters have to fight with this. For example, Jamel Herring, who is in action next week against Carl Frampton, He suffered from the effects of COVID-19 for weeks after having it in his training for his last fight. That is a real variable in this, is it not? And I'm not going to sit and make excuses for Povetkin if he's not very good. It would be understandable at almost 42 if he's not very good. That's a real variable right now in this fight is him coming off of having had COVID-19, trying to recover from it, and then get get in against a guy that can punch and is, and is younger than him in Dillian White. What say you to all of that, David? Well, I, th- I think they both come to, to the fight with those kind of uh, questions, variables, as you refer to them. Um, the one for Povetkin is unusual. This COVID thing is not something we're accustomed to having to contemplate. So there is the unknown, by definition, about how it may have affected him. As you point out, perfectly fit, strong, healthy young men can ha- have it and and still suffer some um, ongoing impact. We've had footballers from the Premier League here who have had to miss training for two, three months after recovering to all intents and purposes from COVID because they've not felt strong enough, et cetera. So it's definitely a thing that still affects athletes. So there is no knowing. Um, it's a bit of, it's, it's almost ironic that we're concerned about um, the fact that 
with all of Povetkin's checkered and colourful past that we're worried that he didn't get the vaccine in time, that he wasn't didn't have the injection in time. It's, it, um, <laughs> Can I interject probably, the humor? It's, probably, it's, the, only, the, it's the only injection he's missed out on maybe in the last two or three years. Continue, my friend. I'm here uh, for the comedy. Uh, and that's not a subject of conjecture, of course, TJ. That is a, is a point of record that he's been suspended twice for various indiscretions in this area. Obviously, the more typical traditional uh, kind of issue for Dillian, the unknown here is how does he respond to being clocked? You know, he's been down once or twice before. Um, Anthony and Joshua put him away in six or seven rounds from memory. Um, and it's you never know. The guy's been knocked out as heavily as he was and he was heavily knocked out. It wasn't uh, dashing for the count kind of thing. He was uh, waved off as soon as he hit the deck. Granted, it's an English ring. You might have a different view of that. Um, but he was definitely um, poleaxed by uh, Povetkin. So there's no, knowing how he may, he may, there's, no, there's no knowing how he may re respond when he's clocked again. Punch, some, some argue that punch resistance declines after something like that. Who knows? So the, there's a bit of a who knows there. I mean, I think as, as a styles clash, it's always going to be a, an entertaining fight. I think Dillian White wants to be a little bit more studious in his work, a little bit more careful. But he's got a lot of what we might refer to as the street in him. And he's a little disorganised at times. You can see the ideas and the thoughts are there, but he struggles to keep it smooth, gets dragged into something perhaps he'd be better not getting dragged into. Um, and it gives opportunities for someone who's technically as good as Povetkin to land the kind of shot he did, despite the fact he'd just got off the floor himself in the previous round. So I think there is a good mesh of styles. Um, but as you say, we're a good few months on from Povetkin's last performance. We've got this cloud of what's COVID done to him and with every ticking month, subject to how he may be acquiring his uh, his current durability, um, we don't know how much Povetkin's got left at this point, do we? So lots of questions, which is, is good. We, we want to go into a fight not knowing what's going to happen, don't we? Rather than a 90-10 and an 80-20, I think it's positive. Yeah, absolutely. Almost anything can happen. One, Once more, let's go back around to the setting. Again, for a myriad of reasons, uh, the fight uh, moved out of England, out of Wembley, I believe, where they were going to have it. Correct me if that's wrong. And because Dillian White had chosen to train in Portugal and couldn't come back into England without having to have a 14-day hotel quarantine uh, before he would be allowed to reemerge, train, whatever, they're able to go somewhere else. I'm fascinated to see the setting. And again, they fought in the matchroom headquarters backyard last time. So why not make it even wackier? Speaking of steroids, juice it up even more and have it on a rock, the rumble on the rock. I'm fascinated to see the, the, the setting and the backdrop here Saturday night. How intrigued are you for Povetkin White on the Isle of Gibraltar? As you say, why not? It's, uh, we're getting to see the world out way through our television screens. So we've, we've traveled to the Middle East, a place on a human rights record, you might never want to visit. They're trying to polish that up using sport. We're all aware of that, of what they're trying to do. Gibraltar is a very different thing, a, a huge bond of contention between Spain and England for however many hundreds of years. Um, but yeah, it's another curiosity, a beautiful place. And um, it will it'll be an interesting backdrop to, to the weekend's events. And as you say, people are having to be creative to navigate their way around these problems, which is, I think, why I'm willing to give a bit of credit and extend a little bit of latitude to these guys that interesting fights are taking place and they're making it happen because there are a lot of things standing in the way. And we see a lot of fights 
from all around the world between top guys not happening when it should be easier. So I'm going to give these guys a bit of credit for making this happen. Love that. And by the way, at the time that I'm interviewing David, I'm getting the opportunity to see him. And he's got in the background a great photo of Rocky Marciano's legendary booming right-hand knockout of Jersey Joe Walcott. Iconic photo that he and I both love. And we saw an iconic knockout from Povetkin. Just by means of quick prediction, one way or the other, does this end with a train wreck KO by one of these guys? Do you honestly believe that this is not going to be a 12-round decision? Somebody lays somebody out, which is it's better for the attention and I guess the satisfaction if that happens. Do you believe that's what we're headed towards one way or the other, White and Povetkin? I think it's entirely possible. I think it's um, difficult to be certain, which, again, is reflective of a good fight, isn't it? Um, I don't think both men will be standing for the entire contest, but at presently, I've got a feeling from the kind of sounds that I'm hearing from both camps and the comments that they've made in press conference that um, Gillian White may be planning to be a little bit more reserved, a bit more cautious, try to use his physical advantages a little bit more, um, which he was doing reasonably effectively early in the fight. And he had success on the inside too. Um, but I think he may well try to win some rounds, conserve some energy, and theoretically, the older man should tire down the stretch, shouldn't he? Um, so I think he may, try, he may try and box as well as he can. You're not a fan. I think he's a capable fighter. I don't think he's a great technician. He's capable. Um, but I think he might be clinging on in the end because if it does get to 10th, 11th, and Povetkin's perceived to be behind, one would imagine he's going to throw the kitchen sink at it because a defeat for Povetkin now at nearly 42, as you keep mentioning. Nothing wrong with your 40s, you know, TJ. Amen. Um, <laughs> um, then he, he's all or nothing for him, certainly, isn't it? Um, he's, he's a long way back as well at his I, age. I will just say this. I will be shocked if Povetkin can make it that long just because of the age factor, the fact that he's had COVID-19 conditioning, uh, insert whatever PED joke you want here. I don't think he makes it to a 10th, 11th, and 12th round physically. I think this is done one way or the other, either by him getting White, or if White doesn't get him per se, he at least wears him down and then gets him. Uh, I think that, it's done. That's I think, my I see, I, sorry, I, I see the theory. I just I think it depends what clip the fight's fought at, doesn't it? I mean, if it's kind of steady, if it's kind of a bit more cautious, a bit more ponderous, you know, we're into the third and fourth round without a lot happening, then good point. That, that, that argument could, could dissolve a little bit. But, um, you would imagine that Povetkin's going to come and try and make opportunities early. He's going to try and prey on White's confidence, isn't he? He's going to try and get inside and make it the same kind of fight that he had success in the end. But by the same token, it was those kind of short distances where he got felled twice himself. He just didn't panic under the pressure and he wasn't knocked out clean. Um, yes, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more interested I'm getting in it because I think it's um, it could go either way. I think it's got potential to go either way. Saturday night card again in the UK and in Europe, Saturday afternoon in the United States on DAZN. Sky Sports uh, has it on their pay-per-view arm coming Saturday. A fight or a fighter on the undercard that intrigues you? I know the co-feature is a uh, British junior middleweight bout, Ted Cheeseman, James Metcalf. There are a couple of other uh, fighters of note. What else stands out on the undercard building up to Povetkin White, if anything, Mr. Boxing Writer? What do you have? Well, there's two or three things. I like Ted Cheeseman. Um, Good, good, solid British fighter. Maybe potential to go a little further. Fell um, 
fell out of favour a little bit, fell, fell off the, the momentum horse he was riding for a year or two, um, con- confessed to some problems away from the ring, um, having taken a hell of a shoe-in in a fight, I think about 18 months, two years ago now. Time seems to have changed, doesn't it? Our perception of time's changed over the last year. Um, uh, and then, you know, the, the reality of his life away from the ring began to be revealed and he's putting that back together and he's a capable, stubborn fighter who likes to tear up. So he should be entertaining and he's fighting uh, Metcalf, who's uh, a good technician. So that should that should be a good fight. Um, the two that, though, that catch my eye is uh, Fabio Wardley's got a heavyweight fight against uh, Eric Molina, who um, was not reviewed favourably before we came on air by Mr. TJ Reeves. Um, <laughs> Uh, but for Wardley and his, I think this is his 11th fight. Nick Miller used to be, it may still be the drummer boy. He's been beaten like a drum several times, including by Deontay Wilder and by Anthony Joshua. Give me credit for the play on words, please. But yes, yes continue. I, yeah, I, yeah, excellent. Excellent work there, TJ. Um, but for Wardley and his, uh, I think this is the 11th fight. Um, I think Molina, granted, maybe washed at this point. Who knows? Uh, he, it's, it's, a progressive step for him. He's not got a massive amount of amateur experience, Wardley. And I mentioned him um, more profusely than perhaps it merits because in a rare occurrence, he's actually from the county in which I live. And uh, as many people who followed me on Twitter will know, it's uh, a boxing backwater here in uh, leafy Suffolk. So it's nice to see a guy coming out of the, uh, the capital of the county, Ipswich, uh, beginning to make some noise. So that's fun. And of course... A lot of the energy of the card is going behind Campbell Hatton, Ricky Hatton's son, who makes his debut. Um, I'm not sure where he's appearing on the card, but I'm sure there's going to be all of the echoes of Ricky's career used to build his profile, to make lots of nice YouTube and TikTok and whatever else content that the kids <laughs> love these days, to try and get um, some energy behind him. Uh, capable, A capable guy, a little bit lighter than his dad was, uh, certainly was between fights, but also when he fought... Um, but he's definitely got the same look, the same cropped yep. hair and the tight yep. eyebrows and all that kind of thing. So he's he's going to be it's going to be a fun watch, and we'll see how he goes. Let's hope he can be the best of himself and not try too hard to be his dad. This man is always the best of himself. David Payne, the boxing writer at boxingwriter.co.uk on the web, the boxing writer on social media, Pavetkin. And White, part due, the sequel coming at the uh, Isle of Gibraltar on the rock. We look forward to it. I know you've written in the preview mode about it. We look forward to whatever it is that happens and then what you have to say and write about it afterwards. David, thank you. I always love the insight from the UK. Uh, Let's see and let's hope that this is a good one here because, again, for Gillian White specifically, this is kind of a last stand to get back in the picture. Pavetkin is obviously very much back in the picture if he beats White again. We'll find out on Saturday night. David, thank you. Always great to be with you on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. My pleasure, TJ. Thanks. But first, let's tell you about our friends at WinBet, the college hoops narrowing down to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and headed to the Final Four. And WinBet is live, bringing you all the action of real sports betting and online casino play produced by Win Las Vegas. Get in on all your favorite teams, the Cinderella stories, the tournament upsets still to come, all with WinBet. Don't miss out on the madness, generous promos, 
odds, parlays, they're all happening right now at winbet.com. Get started today and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free. Terms and conditions do apply. Get the details at winbet.com. That's W-Y-N-N-Bet.com and download the app. And you're going to hear Brian Edwards and I talking more about those win bet lines, including the very intriguing Oregon State seven-point underdog line with Loyola of Chicago. I also am taking a strong look at the win bet line of Oregon, another one from the Pacific Northwest, getting the two-and-a-half on the win bet line with USC. Check out all of those lines at winbet.com. And we're brought to you in part by BetQL. If you're looking to get an edge and make smarter bets during March Madness, well, BetQL's algorithm scan thousands of data points across every game and find the best bets. Easily find the most profitable bet based on their top betting trends. If your bracket is busted, but you still have some bankroll, it doesn't have to bust as well. Just head to BetQL.com and start today. Go to the App Store or the Google Play Store and download BetQL to bet smarter, not harder. And use our promo code MARCH30 for 30% off of BetQL for the year. That's BetQL.com. The promo code is MARCH30 with BetQL. We are also brought to you by PicksWise.com. It's held by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatic wise guys who are giving you the who, the how, and the why behind every prediction on every game, every day, in every sport. And guess what? It's all for free. And PicksWise has the capper contest to follow with the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadeau, and six other experts all competing for ten grand in a winner-takes-all prize. You can follow all the action and the free picks and analysis every day for the big dance by visiting PicksWise.com slash March Madness. That's PicksWise.com slash March Madness. And we're brought to you in part by Better Than Dot Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what DGNs only care about, sports betting. Better Than Dot Vegas is running a free bracket style capper contest with a chance to win $5,500. Just go to Better Than Dot Vegas and don't forget to let them know that SGP sent you. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV also and subscribe to the Better Than Vegas, Better Than Dot Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV for Better Than Dot Vegas. And we're brought to you in part by Odds Crowd, and hopefully you entered the Odds Crowd March Madness contest for your chance to win $8,000 as Odds Crowd has plenty of free contests, including a $500 weekly contest and a $2,000 season-long MLB contest. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contest, it's a social app built just for sports bettors. It's free to download. You can live group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private betting contests, and more with your buddies. Just download the app for free. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds to find out more about Odds Crowd. 
We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge, the stock exchange for sports bets that allows you to buy and sell betting positions live like the stock market. And the best part is it allows you to bet with no VIG since you're buying positions from other sports bettors and there is no house. You can play for money in 40 states and they're doing weekly college basketball contests right now. We're talking tons of hoops from here on out here on Three Dog Thursday. And on Wednesday and Saturday, pay 10 bucks to enter and each user starts with a balance of $1,000 in edge coins to wager on the games. The player with the highest earnings takes the entire pool of entry fees. It's like a battle royal winner take all. Find the link under the competitions tab to get in for just 10 bucks. Sign up today at betteredge.com. Use our promo code SGP. Get that free $10 bet as well. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com. Promo code SGP. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. We are back in once more here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. And as promised, we have more credibility, more help on the program. Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. He's always hanging out on the podcast. And we get even more knowledge right now from Manuk Okopian, who you read in the LA Times, you read him on BoxingScene.com. He is with us as well with a bunch going on. Marquise, good to have you. And I know uh, you've been talking off the air with Manuk, and for some reason that didn't detour him from coming on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We did not scare him off. So that's a good thing, uh, Marquise. Either I'm becoming the worst salesman in the world, TJ, or, or people are really that gullible in America. But here we are nonetheless on Dillian White Revenge Weekend. Yes, indeed, we are. All right, so Manuk, we have spent a lot of time just before you've come on talking with David Payne, a colleague of ours over in England about this fight. It is obviously the marquee fight of this weekend, really worldwide, and, and in Gibraltar, the Isle of Gibraltar, actually. What do you make of this rematch? Scale of 1 to 10, are you like a 6, an 8, a 9 on wanting to see this? What about it, Manuk? Welcome. Well, first off, gentlemen, thanks you very much for having me. Uh, and let's get right to it, the rumble on the rock. Major creds and kudos to Eddie Hearn for putting this fight quickly, putting it in a location that's exotic as Gibraltar. And from a 1 to 10, this is a 10 for me because the first fight was so scintillating in such a short amount of time. You know, a lot of drama and a handful of rounds. Povetkin getting decked twice and coming off the canvas and finishing White off in the next round. And it had all the elements you want in a heavyweight fight. And for us to see it again uh, in a short amount of time, uh, I think the whole boxing public should be absolutely excited for this fight. Hey, another follow-up on that. We were talking with David. This is, uh, you know, for Dillian White, this is it here. Because uh, in, in in my mind, he and, and on the record, he hasn't won uh, a legitimate, credible, worthwhile fight in three years. And if he loses again here, that I mean, that's the real intrigue. I don't believe anybody really believes that Pavetkin is any longer a serious threat to beat the likes of Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, et cetera. Dillian White may be or may not be, but if he doesn't get it done Saturday night, Manuk, fair to say that's it for him on the biggest stage at this point. Well, yeah, he's going to have to build himself back up. And, you know, at one time he was a commodity and with back-to-back losses to a 40-year-old who seemingly is on his way out, you know, that's not going to help his matters. And, uh, you know, and credit to Povetkin because a lot of us, 
have written him off in the last few years, but he looked good against Michael Hunter, and he obviously looked devastatingly strong and victorious against White. So um, as much as as much as the victory, uh, as I'm sorry, as much as the loss hurt White, I mean he did lose to a very credible former heavyweight title challenger. And uh, I really want to see what that second stanza is going to look like Saturday. Absolutely. We're speaking with Manuka Kopian uh, from Boxing Scene in the L.A. Times. Uh, Manuka, I want to follow up on this whole white Pavekin rematch because I think in the grand scheme of things, I think his time has helped out Dillian White uh, from that uppercut heard around the world last year. I was going to ask you the same thing. Do you think that's been the case as well with this fight uh, to being delayed for so, many, for so long uh, until this weekend? Well, I, I think the delay will only help white i think he, considering how viciously he was put to sleep uh i know there's been several postponements for this fight and i think you know considering the timeline that we're on we're still in uh we're still in march so the, the fact that it was done in in about what four or five months span uh the mm-hmm. fact that it was done so quickly it still benefits white i believe and it gives him just enough time to recover and get his confidence back and you know, as we saw with Povetkin, you know, dealing with COVID and all the other issues, well, that, that, that's a storyline that needs to be monitored, too. Maybe that's zapped a little bit out of him at the age of 40. That was one thing I wanted to find out as well from you as well, Manuk, uh, because when fighters were coming back into the ring, co- recovering from COVID, we saw last weekend Arturo Bedabiev look, you know, kind of ordinary against a very weak IBF mandatory We've seen uh, Jamel Herring in his fight. You know, we had a, uh, the, the disqualification win where he didn't look so great as well. And both of them mentioned about cardio. Uh, Bevekin got knocked out several times before he, he stopped uh, White last go-round. Do you think that's going to be the case as well against White as well uh, this weekend? Well, the, the, that's the beauty about heavyweight boxing. One punch changes the entire script of the show. And... I think the fact that Povet or if I can interject or can end the show like it did for Povetkin last August, he ended the show with one punch to your point, Manuk. No, absolutely. And I think COVID is definitely a big storyline in this fight because, you know, it's not a 20 something year old spring chicken who's having to uh, go through the, the virus. It's a 40 year old and uh, you, no one really knows the, the severity of the symptoms that he had to fight through and who knows how much it zapped out of him. I'd be curious to see what Povetkin weighs for this fight. And if he's any considerably less than his last weight, because uh, I've heard a lot of people lose weight. Uh, and if uh, Povetkin is down a few pounds, you might want, you might start to wonder what he really went through the last few months. Well put, uh, and then maybe a few pounds in the monetary sense might go towards Dillian White, depending on uh, the weights. And we won't know that answer till later on Friday, whenever you're hearing us. And again, you may be listening on Saturday and you may already know that that's an issue or it's not an issue uh, here in this fight. Manuka Kopian with us for a few more minutes. I know part of the reason why we have you on, you've been writing some about Triller and their foray into boxing, which obviously began with the Mike Tyson, Roy Jones exhibition. They're back in the fray coming in April with another fight card in Atlanta. And it's anybody's guess what to make of whether Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson are going to fight again in an exhibition. Are they going to fight on the Triller app or not? Tyson basically put them on blast last weekend and said, Triller doesn't speak for me, doesn't negotiate for me. I don't work for them. This is boxing. It's always crazy. Manu, give us the latest here on on Triller entering as a new 
uh, outlet to compete kind of with DAZN, with the PBC deal on Fox, with the top-ranked deal on ESPN. What do you make of all of this, and are we going to see a Tyson-Holyfield fight or not? Holyfield's own people said the deal is off. And then like a day later, Tyson in a possible cannabis haze is saying, yeah, it's <laughs> on for the end of – Manuk, help us, please, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of industry sources throughout the last few weeks. And one thing is clear, at least of what Triller has in its back pocket. What Triller has is a three-year contract with Mike Tyson to stage all of the Legends-only league fights that he wanted to put on for the Triller platform. Now, Triller has the rights of first and last refusal. So Triller can say, no, we don't want this fight. And... Mike Tyson can take the, the fight to another platform. However, the fact that Mike Tyson is saying that he severed his relationship with Triller, <laughs> it, it does not tie with the fact of what he has legally binded. He's, on, he's legally binded uh, what Triller is claiming, and they've put out some letters out there that they sent out to uh, major broadcasters and cable providers and to Team Tyson as well, is that they own uh, rights of first and last refusal for Tyson and for three years until the uh, three years to the date of the Roy Jones fight. So we're talk, talking November 2023. And a big thing is, is that the what it, what it cost for them to stage Tyson Roy Jones was a total of 25 million. Now, that 25 million is a is a key figure here because that's also legal. That's what Triller is legally binded to pay Tyson. 25 million, you divvy it up with your opponent however you want it. Considering how considering how well the fight did with Roy Jones, obviously Tyson thinks he's worth more than 25 million at this point. And he's most likely right, because uh, you know, at fifty dollars a pop at 1.6 million pay-per-views, you're looking at about an 80 million dollar number right there. Ooh. So Triller, so Triller did a, a Triller, to their credit, took a risk, it paid off, and now they're claiming on contract that they have Tyson's next fight. And Tyson thinks 25 million is too little for a fight against Evander Holyfield. So that's why you see uh, that $25 million number in the headlines because of the fact that Tyson and Holyfield, well, Tyson actually uh, is not taking the 25 million, which again is in the contract. That's amazing. Complicated, so complicated stuff. Go ahead, Marquise. So, so, so the reason why uh, Tyson is trying to duck out of this is because of the 25 million bucks. I thought their, their explanation I've been seeing over and over again was because Holyfield wanted 25 million bucks. And with your theory with that as well. So if, you know, he wants to essentially Tyson's whole purse. Yeah. I wouldn't want to fight either. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And considering T- Tyson is definitely the A side here, but Holyfield is the most palatable dance partner. I mean, we're talking exhibition here, but it's a yeah. b- big business. It's big business. And it's definitely going to draw, a lot of worldwide attention and it was the fight everyone wanted to see in the first place. And um, the, the problem is, is that a fight, if a fight of this magnitude, the longer it lingers, the, the worse it gets because these fighters are not getting any, <laughs> right, they're not getting true. any younger. You hey, know? just will, back to what I sort of asked you, do you believe they are fighting around Memorial day weekend? Like, like Tyson was proclaiming on a, on a podcast and on a show uh, recently here in the last few days from what you're hearing and what your reporting is, or is that some bravado and public 
uh, negotiating, negotiating through the media with Triller to try to get a better deal or get out of his deal? Well, if you were to put a gun to my head and ask for my honest opinion, I would say no. No, no matter how big this fight is, you still need some time to market it. And they obviously they want to take it to a state where they could put some fans in. And it, when you read the tea leaves, everything starts making sense because Mike Tyson was actually in Miami at that stadium for the Canelo Alvarez fight. So, you know, uh, you can you can draw the lines there that he was doing some location scouting to see how his event would turn out. And the fact that we're talking May 29 and not a single promotional piece of footage has been shot yet and you know there's been no that press tour hasn't begun sure it's mike tyson and vander holyfield i'm sure they can draw some eyeballs really quick but you you want to you want to do it right and uh, they have to see where what platform this is going to appear on it, it doesn't seem like they're setting themselves up for uh success by being so uh having this um uh, um, contentious battle with the uh, trailer right now. Mm-mm-mm. Manuka Kopian is with us. Big fight weekend podcast remaining moments. Marquise John, senior writer, big fight weekend.com hanging here. Anything else for Manuk Marquise? Uh, yes, Manuk. just one thing, actually. So just to follow up on, on all of this. So Triller is trying to create a, a buzz in the industry by creating these fights, putting these fights on. They have the, the uh, Jake Paul Ben Askin fight on next month in April. They, they they have at some point down the line the uh, Tiffima Lopez George Cambosis fight they they put a bid on uh, out, out of the woodworks. So what is Triller's general grand scheme of all of this? I mean, I got the press release today, like you know, showing the uh, the guests and celebrities for this. Uh, you know, Pete Davidson, you know, Slater's on it, uh, Snoop, you know, these folks and a couple of Instagram people. Uh, what's their overall scheme with this? Well, they made it very clear during the initial announcement of Fight Club that they plan on putting around seven shows a year. And with Jake Paul, with the Jake Paul event and the Teofimo Lopez event, that's two right there. So uh, it, it's going to, uh, I think by the third or fourth show, we'll really get a taste of the diet of programming they plan on uh, portraying on, on, t- uh, on their app. And they're a serious player. I mean, everyone's taking them seriously. I talk to every single major promoter and, uh, you know, uh, suit in the game over the last couple months and you know everyone's taking them seriously and uh everyone's at the same time welcoming them with open arms we'll see um we'll see what that uh, energy is like after a few months and uh once they start stealing all the purse bids well we'll see what happens and they certainly got a, a lot of attention uh, with what you uh, just laid out there when they uh, had more by more than double the highest bid for the Teofimo Lopez, George Cambosis mandatory defense, not even the rematch with Lomachenko. And they outbid by uh, by $3 million, by double what Matchroom was putting up or what Top Rank, his own outlet, was putting up uh, for that. And they're expected to put that fight, speaking of South Florida, in Miami, we believe, sometime in June. Who knows? That could switch. That could change. We'll find out for Triller. Again, Manuka Kopian has been with us. You read him on Boxing Scene. You read him as well in the LA Times. You got something cooking that we need to look for for this weekend, etc. As we're coming to the audience here in the preview mode for the weekend, Manuka, plug away. No, I I operate just like you guys operate off the news cycle. Uh, The big things coming up for us in California are obviously the Andy Ruiz, Chris Ariola fight, so I should be there ringside covering my first event with fans in California looking really very much looking forward to that and most likely setting up a a camp visit 
to see Andy Ruiz and Chris, uh, Andy Ruiz, Chris Ariola, and uh, Canelo Alvarez in person. So, uh, you know, n- nice to uh, n- nice to get back into the field uh, now that California is, uh, you know, in a-, a lot better spot than it was just a few weeks ago. Absolutely. Good stuff with us, Manuk. Be well. We would love to bother you down the road at some point on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. We'll keep reading you in the L.A. Times and on Boxing Scene. Thank you for hanging with us here on this edition of the show. And let's hope we get a good show and some fireworks from Gibraltar for Pavetkin White. It's the only real big-time event this weekend in boxing. Let's hope we get a good show there. Manuk, thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. And we enjoy the insight from Manuka Kopian, and we appreciate him coming by. Again, read him in the LA Times, read him on BoxingScene.com. We appreciate his time. Uh, Marquise, I didn't really get a chance to get a lot of comment from you. What do you make of what he said? Are we going to see a Tyson-Holyfield fight? It doesn't sound like it because it sounds much like Canelo Alvarez did to Oscar De La Hoya and DeZone. You don't take matters into your own hands. You take them to court. I think Triller might take Mike Tyson to court to keep him from fighting Holyfield from what I just heard from our guest. Absolutely, TJ. And if you get the right of first refusal, they have the rights to the fight. They're stuck with it. And if Tyson doesn't want to fight for Triller, that's going to be a something for the courts to decide as I learned for the old people's court. <laughs> get Judge Wapner, the late Judge Wapner, to come and officiate. Maybe Judge Judy uh, now or somebody at Judge Joe Brown, whomever's available, uh, yeah. to come settle this. Um, all right. Uh, so with that... Uh, all being said, let's cover a little bit of the news of the week. Then we'll circle back to Pavetkin and White and your thought on the rematch and a possible prediction here. First of all, speaking of Canelo Alvarez, as he did a couple of times, as Manuk did with us, who we just saw in February fight in Miami. We now know he's fighting at AT&T Stadium, the home of the Dallas Cowboys, Arlington, Texas. The pre-sale of the fight on the opening day, which was available to Dallas Cowboys season ticket holders, to fight fans that had previously purchased tickets through uh, Matchroom Boxing and their shows. They allegedly, presumably, is, is what they announced, they sold 20,000 tickets in the presale. Again, it's a vast football stadium. The state of Texas has now said you can operate at 100% capacity. That means, in theory, they could have 80, maybe 90,000 people marquees at this fight. I don't know that there will be that many there. I'll be curious to know how many more they can sell in this week, still a good six weeks from the fight. What do you make of that announcement that 20,000 already on the presale have been sold for Canelo's May the 8th date with England's Billy Joe Saunders in Big D? It's impressive, TJ. 20,000 is 20,000, but I must admit, TJ, it's kind of mis- it's kind of misleading the way they say that because, you know, you hear the word presale and the tickets are already, you know, so much has already been sold. This presale has been going on for about two weeks, TJ. Keep that in mind as well. And a lot of folks here in the States, as you know, uh, may have received some uh, funding for these tickets, uh, either through a stimulus payment or some sort of tax refund. <laughs> so let's not let's let's calm down with the insanity on that part. But it also does uh, one thing, TJ, I think it's also being forgotten out of all of this. Say there's, say there's a, an attendance cap and they can't cram all 70,000 people at Jerry World. They have already have their 20,000 just in case anything crazy with COVID happens down the line in May. Right. So I think it's it's more of a supply and demand thing and a gimmick in case uh, they can't sell any more tickets, TJ, uh, like around late, late March. Then they, if they there's can do a flare up is what you're yeah. saying, that you at least have 20,000 in the bank that you can then move around and spread out and socially distance 
and that kind of thing. It's a good point that you bring yeah. up. I, I could conceivably, again, uh, Canelo fought at the uh, at the Alamo Dome against Callum Smith and had reportedly somewhere around 15,000 in that 40,000 seat facility. You yeah. can fit like two Alamo Domes inside of Jerry's World, AT&T Stadium. So they could they could easily have 30, 40,000 spread out, even if they needed to spread them out in this instance. And I think it's a good indication of, of a serious live gate and a serious atmosphere that's coming uh, here for this fight. All things being equal, we don't know what the future is six weeks from now with COVID-19 and what might happen again. Uh, we'll, we'll find out on that front. Just very interesting news. Manuka Kopian uh, also made mention of Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton. I was also talking about it with David Payne. That fight is next weekend. And Marquise, we learned the timeline, at least on the day of the fight, uh, share a little bit with us and the television prospects in the United States, et cetera, with Herring defending his 130-pound world title against the former two-division world champ, Frampton, the Irishman. Yeah, TJ, uh, they pushed the, the uh, time back an hour for uh, Herring Frampton. from. It was originally set for, uh, for be out in Dubai in Saudi Arabia at 3 p.m. Now it's at 4. So that's going to cut into whatever is happening uh, next weekend. Actually, or, not, or even better, it may just cut in. His fight may end by the time the, the uh, next round of uh, the uh, – what would that be? The uh, final four being uh, correct, being and I think week. that's that's the real thing I was thinking when all this came about is they don't want to be trying to stage the main event when the college basketball NCAA tournament in the U.S. If you're hearing us outside the U.S., the final four is going on. Those games are usually around six Eastern time and nine Eastern time mm-hmm. on the semifinal Saturday, and so if you're if you're uh, MTK Global, it's not your number one priority. But at least for the U.S. audience on ESPN Plus, right, you want to try to be done by 6 Eastern time, probably about midnight with the time difference in the in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, where they're going to have this over in the Middle East. That's got to be a real concern. You do not want delays because you don't want that fight to be on the verge of starting. And, oh, by the way, the basketball game is starting and there goes a million eyeballs off of ESPN Plus or half a million eyeballs off ESPN Plus. Absolutely, TJ. And to keep it in mind, especially in the United States here, uh, R for Better BF faces IBF mandatory Adam Denies on ESPN last Saturday. Right dead smack in the middle of the college basketball tournament. To give you guys an idea of how bad that was, in the top 150 of people in, in, in TV ratings based on Nielsen, give or take what it's worth, it's Nielsen. But out of those top 150, TJ, uh, college basketball is the top 25 events. And that's including post and pregame shows. Uh, in ESPN's thing, had about 290,000 you know, cable boxes. So you, you, know what, you try to avoid it as much as possible. And that's why they're pushing this, this clock back an hour, hoping they can but wrap again, this fight in, up. In fairness on that, just for, to follow up the point, I know what you're saying. Uh, Better yeah. BF is a Russian. He's not really a known U.S. commodity. At least Herring has fought on ESPN two or three times. It's an American champion. They have some hope of having some audience. I don't know how much more than 200000 or 300000 they would have anyway, but you got to stay away from the final four games yeah. once they get going, particularly if it's like undefeated Gonzaga playing in the final four and Michigan and the brand names like Baylor, et cetera, that are the top teams. Uh, good luck no. trying to get some audience uh, on that if that is – the case. All right. Few minutes left on the big fight weekend podcast. We've got Marquise Johns with a great insight. You've been writing about Pavetkin white 
uh, Gibraltar. Are you with me? I said to David Payne, I've seen some photos and, and some like some drone video, et cetera. I'm curious as Friday turns to Saturday and the weekend here, what does the venue look like? What does the backdrop look like on the rock, the rumble on the rock, the Isle of Gibraltar? I'm curious for that. And, the, and then the fight will, will take place. But I'm, I'm genuinely curious what, what kind of cool looking or not backdrop is there for Pavetkin White 2 on, a, on an island that has basically about 3,000 people that typically inhabit it? I'm always intrigued with that too, TJ, because I think this is Eddie, Ver Eddie Hearn's version of him doing his own version of Fight Island, and the closest island he could find until he does the whole Dubai thing is this Rock of Gibraltar, and they're showing them get the guys fly in off, a, off, you know, off, off the plane during the week, and the view looked pretty. Uh, the, this press conference uh, was behind a rock, you know, in a, in a board. It looked like something off like one of those weird 80s uh, Hawaiian game shows or when Hollywood Squares would go on the road with the old John Davidson days. But outside of that, TJ, I'm, I'm actually intrigued on how all of it's going to look on Saturday night when the actual bell rings. I think I remember what you're talking about. You just jogged <laughs> my memory where they're doing Hollywood Squares like in Hawaii and they've got like Diamond Head, the, the massive tourist attraction mountain yeah. in the background. Wasn't quite that bad. That's hilarious. <laughs> Let's go to the center square for the block, please. Um, I'll take JJ Bullock for the win, please. Uh, okay. On that note, I have said my piece all over this podcast. What is going to happen Saturday night in the rematch here? Will White avenge what happened to him? Is it an instant replay? What say you, Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com? TJ, I wrote for it at BigFightWeekend.com. You can check it there. Uh, for, for the fine folks at the uh, Sports Fan Gambling, Gambling Podcast, we, uh, Dillian White is favorite to win this fight. Uh, unfortunately, the, uh, we, can, we can check the odds for it. Uh, but there's a great number from William Hill that they gave me this morning. In terms of heavyweight rematches, on TJ, out of all 34, 6% have won the rematch in terms wow. of being the favorite. So, and with White being the favorite, they, well, that's, that's where the action and the money is on, on Dillian White, of course. He's from Britain. It's a, it's a UK guy. Uh, I, it's not, history's going to repeat itself, TJ. I think Pavekin catches him again. He's going to win again well, as, and ends all of this. Interesting. So, again, uh, White is what, like plus four, uh, minus 400 in most uh, betting outlets because, again, he was winning the first fight before things flipped around with one bomb uppercut. Uh, Pavetkin again, aging 42. We don't know how much effect COVID-19 has had as we've been alluding to here in the podcast, but I want to go back to that number again. You're talking about prominent heavyweight rematches. You even referenced with what you wrote on bigfightweekend.com heading into the weekend that obviously Anthony Joshua defeating Andy Ruiz in the rematch in December of 2019 comes to mind for rematches obviously Lennox Lewis got his titles back with one thunderous punch against Hasim Rahman but Evander Holyfield beat uh, uh Mike Tyson in the rematch uh we could probably go back uh, Michael Spinks beat Larry Holmes in the rematch I'm trying to think off the top of my head other prominent heavyweight rematch most of the time it favors the guy that won the first the fight is the theme yeah. on the research you found right absolutely tj and the fact that you're going that far back to larry holmes in the 80s it's proving proof that it doesn't happen often and that's why i don't expect it to happen on saturday night all right so again uh what will happen uh here i, I still have concern though and david payne brought this up that can pavetkin still be fresh in a sixth round an eighth round a ninth round and if you get into championship round territory with all that he's been through, his age, COVID-19, and is that part of Dillian White's game plan where we get maybe a boring, slow start to this fight to try to get him into the later rounds, get Pavetkin into the later rounds to see what happens 
That is part of the intrigue. Same question I asked to David, I ask of you on the undercard. We've been over the undercard a little bit earlier in the podcast. What stands out, if anything, here? The big fight on uh, TJ on undercard that sticks out more than anything else, it's two things. One, of course, is uh, Campbell Hatton's uh, uh, pro debut. Un- unfortunately, TJ, as you may have guessed, he's facing a guy who's 0-10. So we, we, I think we know how this fight's going to end. But that should really? be – that that, that's, that's on the undercard. But the second fight – You mean is, the look, 0-10 guy isn't supposed to have much of a chance when Ricky Hatton's son makes his debut? I'm stunned. Continue on. The, the generals were due, TJ. The generals were due. But the second thing on the, on the, on the card as well is – uh, the, the welterweight bout, bout between Chris Congo and Michael McKinson, TJ. A lot of guys have not seen Michael McKinson on these MTK Global cards, and he's a guy that fights off his back foot, and it's 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 a it's it's an awkward style, and it makes for an awkward fight. And the wonder of that fight, TJ, because it's for a regional WBO belt. Uh, the name they, that they've been throwing out in terms of matchups afterwards was Virgil Ortiz, who just won this past Saturday against Maurice Hooker, who won their version of a little minority belt as well. And by the way, we didn't really cover it up until this point. Ortiz was impressive, although Hooker tested him, rocked him a couple of times. Hooker did suffer. It's official a broken hand. You wrote about that earlier in the week as well uh, in that fight. And and, uh, Ortiz seems headed for stardom and a big-time shot. I don't know that he gets Terrence Crawford anytime soon. How soon he gets in the mix remains to be seen. But 17 for 17 on the knockouts. Uh, good-looking prospect, only 22 years old. He can't stay off the big stage very much longer uh, just with the push coming from Golden Boy, the unbeaten record. Uh, now in the, in the top five in a couple of the rankings, Virgil Ortiz. Let's see what happens uh, for him. All right, we got to get out of here momentarily. Again, we, uh, we want to thank David Payne for being here at The Boxing Writer, uh, Manuk Okopian of the LA Times and BoxingScene.com. Read him there. Marquise, plug away again because you're in the preview mode for the White Pavetkin rematch and the card and everything else that's going on. But tell them more about why they need to be following you and reading the site. Go. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, your source for all things boxing news, past, present, and future. Going to keep an eye on what's going on with this Dillian White Pavetkin card. See if anything crazy happens. Maybe there's a volcano in the background that erupts during this rocket Gibraltar stuff. So whatever happens during that fight card, I'll keep an eye out for it. Also, keep in mind as well, uh, it's, it's not very promoted very poorly, as usual, because it's a Frank Warren Queensberry card. But Zach Parker is in action, TJ, and he is currently the number one contender for the elusive Billy Joe Saunders build at 168. So he has a stay busy fight. So we'll see his name being floated around as well for the weekend yeah somebody again that while he's fighting and you know trying to be a mandatory blah 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 or whatever yeah. he's getting no shot at canelo alvarez uh when not if he disposes of billy joe saunders and has all the belts we'll yeah. see what happens at that point in may with that we've pretty much covered all of it marquise great stuff thank you we'll be reading you throughout the weekend i appreciate it Absolutely, TJ. Thank you so much. We appreciate the guys at Sports Gambling Podcast and sportsgamblingpodcast.com for helping us with the promotional push. Again, however you found the show, through their website, through a social media link, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It is the Big Fight Weekend Preview Podcast here. Much, much more coming on the website, bigfightweekend.com. And we thank you for being with us here on this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.